Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. Matt Clark, research analyst with Money and Markets here with your weekend edition of The Bull and the Bear. Uh, this time, uh, uh, all three of us come together, myself, uh, Greens on Fortunes co-editor Charles Sizemore, and our chief investment strategist and Greens on Fortunes founder and co-editor uh, Adam O'Dell come together. And we give you three credible buys, three recommended buys uh, on the weekend. Uh, these are stocks that we have poured over for the entire week and have uh, come to the conclusion that these are solid opportunities for you to look at. Uh, for your portfolio. Before I get started, I want to make sure that you are checking out moneyandmarkets.com uh, each and every day where the three of us and uh, many others on our team provide you safe, sound, smart, and simple, say that five times fast, investment information for your portfolio. And we, uh, we all, the entire team works very, very hard to ensure that uh, you have that information at your fingertips seven days a week. When you're at moneymarkets.com, make sure you sign up for our free daily e-letter. Uh, there you will get those stories in your email inbox every single day, including Saturday and Sunday for free. So you can do that at moneymarkets.com. Now, uh, we'll jump right into it and I, we'll, we'll get right to our uh, to our recommendations. And, and they all, interestingly enough, we were talking about this before we uh, we, we jumped on and, and started the, the podcast, that they all kind of have a, a common theme-ish. The whole point of this uh, of this format is that we come at you with, with companies that aren't necessarily, they may, you may have heard of them, you may not have, they could be in different sectors, they could come from anywhere. Uh, and that's kind of the allure of it. And this time, and, and we really don't talk about these uh, stocks before we pick them. We don't collaborate and say, okay, I'm going to pick this, you're going to pick that, and you're going to pick that. Basically, a day before, uh, Adam and Charles give me their give me their picks, and that's it. And then I give them I give them mine. So there's no real collaboration. But today is kind of a little different. Uh, we didn't we didn't collaborate, but we all happen to kind of hit on a on, on a similar marker a little bit. And I'm going to start with Chief Investment Strategist Adam Odell. Uh, Adam, uh, I know it's been a busy busy week for you, uh, and, and certainly glad that you are uh, joining us uh, this week for the Boulder Bear Podcast. So. What, 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 I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. What, uh, what, what has been uh, your focus this week? What, what recommendation do you have for our listeners? Yeah, so this week I have a, a commodity sector play. Um, just in full disclosure, I've been kind of eyeing the commodities market, putting trades on in the commodities market for the past six months or so, uh, mainly in my home run profits uh, trading service where we trade options over a two to three month time frame on, on leading sectors. And, and really, I started seeing these buy signals in the energy sector uh, about, about six months ago. So we've put on uh, a total of two uh, energy sector plays, and we're up quite largely on uh, both of them. And then, um, you know, seeing that those moves extend themselves, I'm starting to see buy signals in other commodities, uh, not necessarily the precious metals, but uh, but the base metals, even agricultural. So I did uh, more recently recommend a broad-based commodity basket. So I, don't, I think that the commodities trend is, is just getting started. Um, really, what what has working uh, for that is, is a couple of things. Um, Basically, you want to look at the U.S. dollar. Um, the U.S. dollar obviously caught a huge bid in, in the March uh, Corona crash of last year because it it's a safe haven, so uh, people were you know jammed into that. But as soon as kind of the crisis was over, uh, the dollar's been falling. So the dollar's been falling consistently for you know almost a year now, and it's about twelve percent off its highs, which doesn't sound like a large number if you think about pullbacks in stocks. But for a currency, especially a major currency like the U.S. dollar, a twelve percent pullback from the highs is pretty significant. Um, if you look at chart, a chart of the U.S. dollar, either 
dollar futures um, or the ETF UUP, which tracks the US dollar, you'll see that um, after the, the taper tantrum of 2014, when uh, everybody was worried about uh, hikes in interest rates and the dollar shot up uh, very quickly in about three or four months, um, after that taper tantrum uh, rally, the dollar's kind of moved sideways for you know, the past six years. And so we're kind of now at the bottom of that range. The 200-day moving average has fallen lower uh, after the March corona crash. Um, the, the price of the U.S. dollar is below that 200-day moving average. So we're definitely in a downtrend. Uh, it's picked back up in the past couple of weeks as interest rates have risen a bit. Um, but I, I kind of think that um, you want to be a position, at least with part of your portfolio, for a, a continued downtrend, even a break lower in the U.S. dollar. Um, so I think that, you know, with the dollar you know, spiking back up just a little bit over the past few weeks. It's going to bump into that 200-day moving average. And if we if we get sellers in the U.S. dollar, if we get buyers in the bond market that push yields back down, um, that's going to do a few things. First of all, a weak U.S. dollar is amazing for uh, commodities. You know, most commodities are pricing U.S. dollars, so it's kind of like a seesaw. When the value of the U.S. dollar is going down, the, the price of uh, commodities are generally going up. The other uh, thing that a, a weakening U.S. dollar typically benefits is emerging market stocks. So a weak dollar isn't necessarily bad for U.S. stocks. It's, it's you know you get slightly better um, profits from U.S. markets like the S&P 500 when uh, the dollar is weakening, but only slightly better. You get demonstrably, like hugely, much more beneficial uh, returns in the emerging market stocks and in Chinese stocks when the dollar is weakening. So uh, all that's to say, I, my pick this. Um, this week is a commodity sector play. It's a foreign uh, emerging market commodity sector play, and that is POSCO. The ticker symbol is PKX. Uh, POSCO is based in South Korea. It is the world's uh, fourth largest steel manufacturer. It makes steel for uh, automobile makers and, and construction uh, for construction companies, uh, raw material, uh, both in South Korea and internationally. Um, this stock, if you look at the green zone stock rating model, which anybody can go, uh, we put this up for free, it's kind of a courtesy, moneymarkets.com, the top right corner, type in a symbol, PKX, you can see the, uh, the current uh, green zone six factor stock rating model. And you'll see that uh, POSCO rates right now at 95 overall, 94.8. Um, so it really is a well-rounded stock. Its lowest score is in size, and that's because it's a $19 billion company. As I said, it's the fourth largest steel maker in the world. So it's, it's not a small cap stock, but it's, it's, uh, it's quite a large stock. Um, it rates highly on momentum with a 78. It's a low, fairly low volatile stock, um, at least in risk-adjusted returns. Um, it's, it's basically doubled off the March lows. So you've had a 100% return. Uh, and I think there's another 100% another return coming ahead. Um, so it rates well on volatility. Uh, quality, 78. So it's got a solid book. It's got low debt to um, equity ratios and low debt to cash. Um, growth is 78 as well. Obviously, the steel industry globally and in the U.S. was hit really hard, so production got crimped um, in you know in 2020 because of the coronavirus. You know, you know, steel manufacturers can't go on Zoom and, and continue business as usual. So you did see this in uh, POSCO's numbers. Um, revenues were down for a few quarters. They maintained positive earnings per share. They maintained their dividends. So this is really. When you're looking for a quality company, you know quality companies can withstand uh, those short-term, uh, you know, tough times as, as the coronavirus uh, brought to us in 2020. So um, I have no no qualms about POSCO being able to survive that period. Uh, sales are now ramping up. Their earnings per share over the next year, over actually this current calendar year, 2021, 
are expected to be in the 100 to 150 percent growth range year over year. So there's huge amount of growth that's not being priced in. I mean, of all those six factors that uh, that, that we rank on, its value score, Costco's value score is 99.7. And some of the metrics that allow it to score so highly, basically higher than any other stock except for 1%, um, less than 1% in the market, um, is its price to earnings ratio is very favorable at 15 and against the industry average of 30, but its price to book is 0 0.49 uh, against the industry average of 2.1. So if you think about price to book, you know, 1.0 1, 1 basically means that the price of the stock, if you sold all of the assets in the company, um, you would basically equal the stock price. And so it's, it's kind of a one for one. And that's, that's the starting point. Most stocks trade for higher than book value. And it's the typical value pitch. I mean, I buy dollar bills for 50 cents. That's the value pitch, the deep value pitch. I buy good companies that have a moat, that have strong market share, and I buy them for less than they're actually worth. I don't see how you can make a case against POSCO being that um, prototypical value play. At a price to book of basically 0 0.5, you're buying $1 worth of assets for 50 cents when you buy uh, shares of POSCO. So that's my pick for this week. Uh, it's basically a commodity sector play. It's a weak dollar play. It's emerging markets play. If you have way too much of your money invested in U.S. stocks only, uh, realize that that's been a good run, but it may not last forever. So I would diversify into some emerging marketplace at this point. And uh, so that's my pick, Posco PKX. That, that price to book is is something that I I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> I, I yeah. haven't seen a price to book on any stock that low in a long time. And this is not a company in distress. This is not, you know, they're not on the verge of bankruptcy. They're not a small player. They're not an unproven business model. I mean, they had $49 billion worth of sales over the two, uh, last 12 months, uh, $7.3 billion in, in cash flow, operating cash flow. Uh, 1.4 billion dollars in earnings. So this is, you know, this is a big player. They're not going anywhere, uh, and the steel industry is on a rebound. So th because of those supply shortages, uh, now demand is rising. Not only in the U.S., not only is the U.S. doing a two billion, two billion dollar, excuse me, two trillion dollar infrastructure, uh, but so is uh, plan, but so is China, and uh, so demand is high. Basically, demand is outstripping uh, supply, and right now the price of steel is at a, at a multi-year high. It's higher than it's been since 2008. So. I think this is going to be a screaming buy. I think it's going to double from here, even though it's already doubled from the lows. Uh, obviously, I'm emphatic because I'm talking about it again. So not to cut you off, Matt, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, the price of the book is just absolutely amazing. No, and that's uh, and that's PKX, uh, the ticker symbol that uh, Adam is recommending. Turning our attention now to Charles Sizemore, co-editor of Greens Unfortunes. Charles, uh, I, you know, I know you've been knee deep because uh, you know you and Adam are, are we're, we're all getting ready for our next. Uh, issue of Green Zone Fortunes, which, by the way, you can check out uh, if you are not part of Green Zone Fortunes. You definitely want to be. Uh, you can get more information about that on moneymarkets.com. We'll try to include a link as well on, on how you can uh, be be more into uh, into Green Zone Fortunes. But I know you've been into that. But there's also been another stock that's caught your eye. Tell me about uh, tell me about your stock this week. Yeah, well, to start, I share Adam's enthusiasm for commodity stocks in general. Um, yeah, he recommended a steel company. I'm going to be recommending a uh, an aluminum company. So uh, where aluminum is, how do I put this? It's an underrated construction stock. And when you think of construction, uh, well, stock's wrong word, uh, commodity. When you think of construction commodities, you think of steel, you think of copper. But aluminum is also a very important material because it's extremely lightweight and it's, uh, its ratio of, of strength to weight is very high. If you're building a, a building uh, primarily out of aluminum, 
it's cheaper. Uh, in, in some ways, it's a lot cheaper because the building weighs less. You don't have to invest as much in the foundations. So um, it's, it's growing in utility there. Uh, aluminum is probably most you know, well-known for things like uh, uh, aircraft. Aircraft, uh, auto bodies, you know, things like that. Uh, all of these things that have basically been on ice throughout the whole uh, you know, 2020 coronavirus experience, uh, these things are roaring back with the vengeance. Now, uh, for all the reasons Adam pointed out uh, why you know, commodities should be poised to do really well in, in the coming years, uh, the one that he left out, one point he left out is uh, this government initiative to, to build back better. When the world blew up in 2008, we didn't really fix anything. We just put a lot of band-aids on it. Uh, our, our government, I don't know that they've gotten smarter, if they've gotten less smart, I don't know, but they, they, they've, they've changed their mind on a few things. And uh, what, the, what they're looking to do this time around is they're looking to basically spend our way out of uh, the recessionary conditions we're in with a lot of infrastructure spending, just a lot of project spending here. So aluminum will be a beneficiary of that um, along with other basic commodities. So the stock I'm, I'm going with this, this week is uh, a Norwegian, uh, primarily uh, aluminum maker, although they do have some hydroelectric properties as well, Norsk, uh, Norsk Hydro. I don't know why that was hard for me to say, but anyway, uh, Norsk Hydro. So uh, this stock is is one you've probably never heard of. Uh, I don't know how many Norwegian stocks you've ever traded, but uh, there aren't that many in the U.S. market. This one trades over the counter. It primarily trades in Europe, but you can buy it uh, here in the U.S. over the counter. Now, uh, where it gets fun is it rates exceptionally high on our uh, green zone rating model. It rates in 97. Very, very strong bullish there. Uh, interestingly enough, its highest single rating is in volatility. It rates in 94 in volatility. I thought that was uh, noteworthy because you would normally associate commodity companies as being fairly choppy, uh, you know, subject to boom and bust cycles. But this is a remarkably non-volatile commodity play. Uh, it, not surprisingly, also rates very high on value at uh, a 93. Commodity stocks have mostly been left for dead over the last decade. There's just been no demand for them. Investors have run to technology and, and uh, you know, sexy growth stocks. No one's uh, really had any interest in uh, kind of the gritty roll up your sleeves uh, commodity plays. That's, that's great. That, that really set up a nice opportunity for us uh, in this sector in general and in this, uh, in this stock specifically. Um, momentum. So um, you might expect that the momentum here would be sort of lukewarm at best, but the stock rates an 87 based on momentum. So um, you know, momentum is, I, I really expect that to just accelerate uh, as um, the infrastructure plans really roll out, as aircraft construction really starts to, to, to roll out again, even aerospace, as aerospace uh, you know, steps it up. There's uh, any number of, of demand drivers that, that should really push this stock higher. Uh, growth, growth is uh, still quite respectable it, uh, with, uh, with, the, with the rating of 85. And quality, uh, this is a high quality stock with a rating of 71. Where it does rate uh, fairly low, and you should be careful here, is on size. Um, normally I'm, I'm okay of the six factors, the one that I'm kind of most likely to over, I don't want to say overlook, but um, accept a lower rating on would be size. 
that's, you know, small caps tend to do better than large caps over time. It's not to say that larger companies do poorly. Uh, what I would say, you know, be careful on this stock. Rates of 31 on size, that's not a deal breaker by itself, but it's just very thinly traded in the U.S. Remember, this is not an American stock. It's a European stock. Its primary market is in Europe. So um, you know, the, the, trade, the, the shares that trade over the counter here in the U.S. Are, are fairly thin. So if you do decide to do this, make sure you use a limit order. Just be very careful getting in and out of the stock because if you place a large market order, you really could move it. Okay, and so that's uh, no, uh, it's uh, Norsk Hydro, correct? Yeah, oh, and I've actually forgot to mention the hydro well, part. So, uh, apart from their uh, from their aluminum operations, they also run twelve hydroelectric plants in uh, in Norway. And and the ticker here, it, it does trade over the counter. The ticker symbol is N H Y D Y. Uh, that is a ticker to trade. It is pink sheets, correct? It is a pink sheet stock? Yeah. You can always tell when a, when a stock trades over the counter because almost always they have that five, um, you know, five letter ticker symbol. So uh, again, this one is very thinly traded in the over the counter market. So do be careful trading it. Use a limit order or if you're going to place a relatively large order, break it up into several small orders. These days trading is free. There's no, you know, you don't have to worry about trading costs. So uh just, you know, do, do be careful getting in and out of this one. And, and I know, you know, to, to, to then get into to, to what, what I'm going to recommend today, you know, you guys have talked a lot about, you know, commodities. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I have a commodity stock here as well. Uh, you know, you mentioned the $2 trillion infrastructure plan that Congress is now going to uh, start debating maybe a mild term for it, uh, in, injecting the politics of it all now that uh, 1.9 uh, is ranting a better word? I don't know. I, I think it depends on which side of the aisle you're on. We won't get into the politics of that. But, um, you know, construction is going to be uh, a, a big part of that. And I know whenever you think of, uh, you know, infrastructure, people think of roads and bridges, but it also includes schools uh, and, and includes much, much more than just, you know, patching roads and repairing bridges and things like that. And over the years, and I'm not necessarily a seasoned old person, um, but I've seen a lot of construction over the years. When I was a kid, um, you know, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, uh, right smack dab in the Midwest, right in the center of the country. I saw the city expand thanks to its billing as the air capital of the world. This was back when uh, companies like Boeing and their contract companies were all expanding in the Wichita market. But not only was that, that, that expansion brought with it a boom in construction, not just for residential, but for office buildings. Uh, the tallest building in Wichita was not completed until, uh, until after the high point of, of, of Boeing being in Wichita. Uh, and the, the office building, the Garvey Center still, uh, the Garvey Center is one of them. There's another one there. It's, they're all, the Epic Center is still there. In South Carolina, uh, when I was the editor of a business publication, you know, I, I witnessed the upstate of South Carolina expand between North Carolina and Georgia. And that is a pretty wide swath of territory from Spartanburg to Anderson, from Clemson to Greenville, uh, you know, because of businesses like BMW Manufacturing, Michelin North America, their subsidiaries and tier suppliers were all expanding their plants in a massive way. But again, along with that came an expansion of, of residential construction, other commercial uh, multi-use construction, things like that. Downtown Greenville uh, if you have not been down to downtown Greenville and you are passing through, I highly recommend it. It is a boom in terms of multi-use buildings. Uh, it, it has kind of that old Southern charm, but a very modern flair to it. And they've done that with help because companies like BMW and Michelin have expanded. Uh, they were, they're working on infrastructure now with the 85-385 interchange. 
which hopefully will be done at some point maybe. Uh, and even here in South Florida, you know, I see building construction all the time from Miami to West Palm Beach and even beyond. I see new buildings going up everywhere. Um, and the trend is, is that where businesses go, people follow and construction follows. Uh, and when there's new construction for business, there's new construction for residential uh, and, and for other commercial. And it doesn't tend to be too far behind. Now, where that where the infrastructure plan comes into play, I, you know, I don't want to rest everything on an infrastructure plan because we are dealing with politics. We are dealing with Congress and neither of those things move at a rapid pace whatsoever, unless it is a suited plan that benefits the members of those respective houses. Um, but, you know, infrastructure is going to rely heavily on roads and bridges and schools and even internet infrastructure. But interstate, interstates are going to be repaved. Bridges are going to be rebuilt and resurfaced. New schools will be constructed. It's all part of, the, uh, of an overall expansion that I see, construction expansion I see on the horizon here in the country. Um, and again, that is if, if Congress can agree to the details. But if the federal government pumps $2, billion, $2 trillion into the economy uh, by building or upgrading roads and bridges, new commercial and residential construction is going to follow suit. It's just kind of a natural progression of things. Um, you know, you can build new roads and you can build new bridges, but, you know, other things are going to follow that. You notice that a high concentration of city construction is around interstates. That's not by any, that, that's by design. Your large cities all have interstates running through them, and there's a reason why. It's because the interstates drive the traffic. Construction spending has already actually hit new highs. Uh, total construction spending in the U.S. topped at more than $1.5 billion in January of 2021, and that's been consistently trending upwards since the March 2020 coronavirus crash. I think construction is going to keep moving to new highs, especially if and when Congress approves a new infrastructure spending bill. Now, the company that I found supplies a key component in any new construction project electrical wiring. It's something that you don't often think about. You know, it's one of those overlooked things. We think of timbers and, and drywall and roofing and things like that, but we often overlook the small components that actually make the house go. Uh, and that is electrical wiring, regardless of whether it's a new building or whether it's going to be a green building or, or a green home or whatever, it still requires wiring to run electricity through it, regardless of where the electricity comes from, whether it's solar panels on the roof or the meter outside, it doesn't matter. The wiring is still something that has to be there, whether it's a building or a home or whatever. Now, the company is Encore Wire Corporation, trades on the NASDAQ under the ticker symbol very cleverly, WIRE, W-I-R-E, Encore Wire Corporation. It, it supplies wiring and cables used in the interior of new commercial and residential buildings. Even if an existing home or a building is being retrofitted to maybe make it more green or, or whatever, companies like Encore Wire, Wire are going to be called upon to provide the interior wiring needed to push electricity through the structure. Because after all, if you don't have electricity, what you're building for, unless it's just a big warehouse, and even big warehouses have electricity running through them. Since 2016, the company's been able to, to raise or maintain its total revenue uh, on a yearly basis. This even includes a slight increase in 2020 when construction was limited due to the coronavirus pandemic. Their, their revenue actually went up, not by a lot, but it actually went up. Looking ahead to the next two years, Encore is expected to raise its revenue from about $1.27 billion in 2020 to $1.62 billion in 2022. That's a 27.5% increase in just those two years. What's more, the company is expected to see an earnings per share jump of around from around $3.68 a share in 2020 to $4.18 in 2022. That's a 13.5% increase in just two years. As for Encore stock price, well, it's actually started to take off. It dropped along with the rest of the market in March of 2020, but it didn't really hit a low point until April of 2020 when it hit $38 a share. The stock started trading a bit sideways, but after that, it steadily rose to $55 a share in August of 2020.
there was a bit of a drop in October where the stock price fell to $46 a share. But then after that, it started to take off massively. Uh, now it has reached a 52-week high of $69.41. That's an 83% jump off its March 2020 lows. Wall Street analysts have boosted their projections for the company. I, I tend to agree with them uh, for both 2021 and beyond. On the average, analysts are projecting earnings of around $4 a share. I think that's low. On revenue of $1.6 I think that's about right on, if not even higher. Uh, and if I look at Adam's six-factor green zone ranking system, Encore Wire ranks a 97 out of 100. Uh, meaning only 3% of all other stocks that we rank uh, are higher. And we rank about 9,000 of them. So just put all that in perspective. Uh, you know, if you're 3%, you know, that's pretty darn good. Uh, it means we're strong bullish on the stock and we expect it to beat the broader market by at least three times over the next 12 months. It gets its overall ranking from strong scores on quality, which it scores a 90, uh, on growth, which is an 87, and on value, which is also an 87. It also ranks in the green in size uh, with a 76 and volatility at a 75. The company's stock price uh, has price to ratios that are all much lower than the electrical equipment industry, which means that it doesn't have the, 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 you know, point oh, the, the 0.5 price to book that Adam's company has, but its price to book ratio is about two, I think, if I, if I, if I last look. And it's much, much lower, which means the value uh, is much, much lower in terms of the overall broader market. It's not necessarily overvalued like other commodity stocks and other stocks, uh, tech stocks and things like that. It's, its value is much, much tighter. Uh, it's also got strong returns on assets, uh, equity and investment. They're all in the green and all better than the rest of the industry. Uh, double digit percentages in, 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 I think, two of those of those three and about 9%, I believe, on returns on assets. Uh, Encore has, a annual, uh, has a five-year annual sales growth rate of 4.6%, a one-year EPS growth rate of 33%. The net debt for the company was down to about $183 million, but if you uh, add back in total cash and short-term investments, their total debt is zero. They have no debt if you, if you, if you, if you balance all that out. So uh, it's also grown its net profit from 100 uh, to $194 million in 2020. Again, a year where construction was facing some pretty serious headwinds due to the pandemic. So, and as an added bonus, and this is just for you, Charles, the company does pay a modest dividend. Uh, its forward dividend yield is about 0.12%. Not great. Uh, it equals out to about eight cents a share, but it's better than nothing. Uh, as, as Charles would say, you know, something is always better than nothing in terms of a dividend. So uh, just it, don't spend it all in one place, man. Exactly. Don't, don't, it would probably be one of those you might want to reinvest into the company rather than take out and try to do something massive with it, unless you're just holding hundreds of thousands of shares. Um, with construction booming more on the way, Encore Wire Corporation is certainly a construction play that I think is worth looking at for your portfolio. So that's, that's my pick is Encore Wire Corporation, trades on the NASDAQ. The ticker symbol is W-I-R-E. Uh, to recap, uh, and I'm gonna, hopefully I didn't botch the names here, but Adam is going with POSCO, which is a South Korean steel manufacturer. It trades uh, under the ticker symbol PKX. And uh, Charles has recommended, uh, uh, is it, it Nordsk? Uh, is it Nordsk? I keep wanting to say Nordsk. I think that's the shipping company. Nordsk Hydro. Yeah, okay. It is. Okay, so Nordsk Hydro. And it trades over the counter. So it, it is one of those things that you have to, you know, kind of realize that if your trading service allows you to do that, uh, there are some that, that don't allow over the counter stocks, but there are mostly, mostly do. And it trades on the ticker symbol NHYDY. Any parting shots from you guys before we close things out for the weekend? Adam, I'll start with you. I'll just say, I mean, we are all uh, into uh, commodity sector plays, and I was into a foreign, uh, foreign one, as was Charles. But, um, you know, you make the most money in the markets when there's a large dis, um, discrepancy between the future reality and the market's expectation of the future reality. 
And there's also this thing called recency bias where people expect whatever is going on today is just gonna extend into the future. So if you look at our, our picks today um, and you compare them against what has been working in the market, which again, I'm not bearish on technology. I think that technology, it's hard to bet against technology because technology is innovation and it's always um, you know, progressing forward. But what's done the best is large cap US technology stocks over the past several years. And that's what everybody's become accustomed to working. Uh, if you look at kind of the opposite of that, it would be a, an emerging market commodities-based stock. And uh, it, it, when you see a price to book ratio of 0.5, it shows you that there's extreme pessimism or disinterest in that type of a stock. So you know, I'm not saying sell all of your tech holdings. Um, I'm just saying, look, look where the market's not looking. And if you feel like you've got the tech holdings uh, already covered in your portfolio, you can gain a lot of diversification benefit by looking at something in emerging markets, something outside the U.S. at least, and uh, something in the commodity sector. Charles, a parting shot for the weekend. Yeah, I would actually re reiterate what, uh, what Adam said about recency bias. Uh, nobody is looking at commodity stocks right now. I don't know anybody other than us that's really you know, pounding the table about this. Um, everyone else is still, you know, they kind of are looking in that rear view mirror of, of looking at large cap tech. So uh, that makes me think this trend has some legs and it's, it's going to be around for a while. And I, and I have to agree, not, not, to, not to put a cherry on top of it all. But yeah, I mean, I think you have to, the challenge here is looking where others aren't looking, looking where other investors aren't looking to try to find uh, that right play that works. And I think there's, there, there's something to this here. And I think there's going to be a massive tailwind here if, if Congress gets a $2 trillion uh, uh, you know, uh, package built out, uh, kind of a New Deal-esque kind of a, uh, a way, uh, you know, Biden's FDR moment where he tries to add jobs and, and add money to the economy by looking at infrastructure, which is what uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt did with the New Deal. Um, is it going to be to that effect? Probably not. But uh, again, when you're an investor and you're looking at trying to figure out how you can possibly capitalize on those things, you have to think to yourself, okay, what stands to benefit the most? And then from there, drill down, what hasn't been looked at in terms of recency? Uh, because we all tend to think that, well, if it goes up, it's going to keep going up. Well, that doesn't necessarily always happen. We've seen that with tech. Uh, it's a rotation. It's not a sell-off. It's a rotation out of tech as, you know, people are trying to get profits off of tech and rotate into other sectors like commodities, which in this case they're not yet, but I think they're going to, uh, and, and try to find a way to bolster those up to, bolster those up to find profits and then uh, eventually rotate back out and back into tech or something like that. That's how the market works. It's, it's not don't keep all your eggs in one basket and keep them all uh, long-term because the market doesn't work that way. You have to kind of be smart about what you're doing. And sometimes you have to partially sell some positions and, and to, to fund a new buy into a different sector, something like that. And that's what's happening here. That's what a, you know, large investors tend to be doing right now is taking profits on tech and moving into something else. And we tend to think that commodities is, is, is one place that they aren't looking, but potentially could be here in, in the near future. So Again, great stuff, guys. Definitely appreciate uh, all, both of you coming on uh, this weekend edition of The Bull and the Bear. Uh, stay tuned. We've got much more. We'll have the week ahead coming out on Sunday uh, where I'll prep you for the week coming up on Wall Street and what you can expect and what you should be watching out for. Uh, and that'll be coming out on Sunday. Uh, next week, uh, the Marijuana Market Update again and more of The Bull and the Bear, uh, plus much, 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 much more. We are working on – we have some other things uh, kind of at play here. Uh, we're working on some different uh, YouTube videos and things like that to put out for you in addition to what we're doing already. To, uh, so you want to make sure you're checking out our YouTube channel. Uh, you to just go to YouTube.com, type in Money and Markets with the Green Bull and the Bear logo. Click on that, make sure you subscribe, and then click uh, mash that bell and then get notified each and every time 
uh, we uh, put out a new video. Also, if you're listening to this on, if you're watching on YouTube, seeing our bright, smiling, smiling faces, and you're like, eh, you know, Matt's really not something I want to look at for 30 minutes. Then maybe you want to listen to us on a podcast. You can do that as well. We're on various podcast indicators, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts. So we're also on uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, and, uh, and a wealth of other Amazon as well. You can listen to us through your smart home, smart home device, uh, however that is. I'll also be remiss if I didn't tell you to go check out moneymarkets.com every single day. Adam, Charles, myself, many others on our team, we work uh, very, very hard and diligent to make sure we are giving you safe, sound, simple, and smart, uh, profitable information uh, for your portfolio. So for uh, Adam O'Dell, our chief investment strategist, co and Charles Sizemore, co-editor of Greens on Fortunes, I am Matt Clark, research analyst for Money and Markets, wishing you all safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. Thank you.